Hi, it's Tammy Stronach. I played the childlike empress in The NeverEnding Story, and you are listening to Hollywood and Beyond. Hi, this is Stephen, host of Hollywood and Beyond, where I strive to bring you meaningful and in-depth interviews. Thank you for listening, and enjoy the show. Send host Steve Brittingham your comments and questions to hollywoodandbeyondshow at gmail.com. That is hollywoodandbeyondshow at gmail.com. Stephen looks forward to hearing from you soon. He doesn't understand that he's the one who has the power to stop it. He simply can't imagine that one little boy could be that important. Is it really me? Maybe he doesn't know what he has to do! What do I have to do? He has to give me a new name. He's already chosen it. He just has to call it out. What is the secret of this enchanted book? What wonders are hidden within its pages? What magical spell does it cast on all who read it? What is the secret of the never-ending story? Hi, friends and listeners. This is Stephen Brittingham, your host. Welcome to Hollywood and Beyond Podcast. It is so nice to have you listening. Thank you very much. If you happen to have a big imagination, then chances are you also have a big heart. Growing up in the 80s was a special time in my life. Imagination seemed to be in full supply at the cinema. Whether it was Marty McFly trying to find his way back to the future, or Luke Skywalker using the powers of the Force to help defeat the Empire, it was a truly fun and adventurous time at the movies. My extra special guest today was a part of the 80s movie magic. Tammy Stronach is visiting Hollywood and beyond with 
some exciting news to share about a new film project that has a strong connection to the 80s. Let me just tell you up front, it is a very appealing and exciting film project. Likewise, Tammy will be sharing some of her memories of portraying the childlike empress in the never-ending story. Tammy Stronach, welcome to Hollywood and Beyond. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here. Well, thank you for joining me. It's my pleasure and honor. It's so wonderful to have you here as a guest. Uh, thank you so much. How are you and family all doing at this uh, challenging time for all of us? I hope all of you are safe and sound. Oh, thank you for asking. Yeah, no, this is, um, I mean, it, life has become weirder than fiction, right? <laughs> We're yes. all living in some kind of sci-fi movie that is just, um, you know, throwing everyone for a loop, um, but uh, we, we are very fortunate. We've, we've, you know, no, no one very close to me has been immediately impacted. I do have friends who've had lost people to it, and so obviously uh, it's a very challenging time for the world, and, um, and we're going to have to uh, use all of our resources to get through it. And I actually think imagination is one of the biggest resources we have to try to be creative and problem-solve and stay hopeful. Um, so, um, so I really do think that um, while imagination is limited to films often, we really need it in our life, too, <laughs> especially <laughs> sure when it's gotten this weird. <laughs> it's very surreal, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, really surreal. Yeah. Well, so well said. Thank you, Tammy. And of course, um, our thoughts are with any listeners out there who may have lost uh, friends or family members as well. Mm-hmm. And even the economic hardship, too. Yeah, all of it. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I'm so glad to hear that you and family are all safe and sound. Where are you joining me from today? Uh, I am joining you from Brooklyn, where I live. Uh, yeah, and so we're we're actually doing a little bit better. Uh, you know, we started uh, at the as a kind of hot spot of COVID, um, but now things are starting to open up here, and um, the city's actually doing a pretty pretty good job. So, um, so it's not a bad place to be as as. COVID sheltering goes. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear there's uh, some improvement. Yeah, yeah. Where are you? You're in L.A., obviously, right? I'm actually in my hometown of Cincinnati. Oh, okay, okay. And how is it there? Well, Ohio was doing very well. Uh, actually, the state was considered one of the leading states with how okay. they were approaching the pandemic because uh, the governor was taking a preventive approach. He was doing mm-hmm. things a little bit in advance. Unfortunately, things have gone uh, completely in a different direction with things reopening. And uh, just uh, last night, he uh, uh, was on television pleading people to please return to the guidelines and suggestions and policies. So mm -hmm. absolutely. Mm -hmm. So uh, the next few weeks are actually going to be very critical here with how he decides to handle things going forward. Yeah. 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 It's a huge learning curve. We all have to adjust. (laughs) We sure do. And and try to stay grateful and use imagination like you uh, pointed out so well there earlier. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, speaking of imagination, this new project, Tammy, I have to tell you, I was so excited to read the description of this film project. I think it's a wonderful idea. And I wanted to give you an opportunity to let the listeners know out there um, that the project that you and your talented husband, Greg Steinbrunner, are collaborating on. Uh, would you please uh, describe the project for them? Yeah, so um, the film is called Man and Witch, um, and uh, it's uh, an 80s, kind of a throwback to the classic 80s fantasy films that I grew up on and obviously was uh, part of in, in Through the NeverEnding Story. And we, um, we have been making art together for a long time. I was running a dance company in New York for 20 years, and we also were in a theater company for many years. And then we started to create children's content through our shared company, Paper Canoe. And we started with smaller projects, a variety of puppet shows and sci-fi show um, that ran here. And then we made some music. And then we finally looked at each other and we're like, why don't we make a film? Like, what we really want to do is make a film. So um, that's what we put our minds to. And uh, the ball just started rolling so quickly. It was um, really incredible. And we were like, how are we going to do this in the, in a pandemic? How are we going to get financing in a pandemic? You know? Um, but somehow, uh, we've just been incredibly lucky and, um, we met, uh, a director and a producer who were super excited and just jumped on board. Financing came through despite this bizarre moment in history. Um, and then I think in some strange way, because a lot of people aren't working, um, we were able to get the script into the hands of some really extraordinary actors who are people I really admire, and, um, and they've jumped on board. So this ball has just been rolling really, really quickly, and I'm just sort of riding on top of it, trying not to fall <laughs> off. <laughs> well, what a magical ride it sounds like. Congratulations on all that you mentioned. I'm I'm so happy for you. I think this is a very exciting project for so many reasons. And what would your involvement be overall? Would you be one of the leading uh, actors in the film? Yes, yes. So this would be, I would be playing the the lead, the witch, alongside my husband. Uh, So that's kind of exciting. We've done a lot of a lot of uh, shows together. So, um, but this would obviously be our first one on screen. So we're really excited about that. And um, the film is just a really feel-good uh, fantasy, um, which wants to celebrate the power of love and the power of perseverance. One of the things that I really loved about 80s films is um, there was a real focus on the underdog winning in my opinion. You know, Bastion was like the skinny kid that was picked on, and he was the hero of the story. And you mentioned Luke Skywalker and, you know, yes. fighting the, you know, <laughs> uh, the, the Empire, you know. So um, I feel like in some ways films have sort of changed, and, and 
um, we we kind of often celebrate the sort of stronger people winning or the, you know, the kind of, and I really miss those films where it was the, 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 the really, the, the person who had no chance <laughs> and no resources yes. and no anything and just through heart, they persevere. So those are the kinds of stories I grew up on and those are the kinds of stories that I gravitate to. And I actually think in this crazy moment and in this, that the world that we're living in right now, we need some stories that um, give hope to the underdogs out there. <laughs> you know, sure there's do. a lot of craziness going on right now, and um, and I really want to um, be a part of you know putting stories out there where um, the the long shots and the, the the people who are facing difficult circumstances come out on top. So this sounds like a fantasy approach. Yep. Full on fantasy film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 got uh, story wise, it's got a connection in terms of the kind of arc of the story, and also putting story first as opposed to a lot of special effects. Like really, really um, prioritizing character development and story, um, and and we are limited because this is a. Um, independent film. It's not a studio film. And frequently, you know, huge uh, fantasy films are expensive, and so they have studios behind them. But I'm really excited about seeing how we can um, use this limitation and turn it into advantage uh, in the sense that for us, we're, we don't really have the option of doing a lot of CGI, and so we commissioned the Jim Henson Company to make puppets for us. And so in that sense, it's also stylistically uh, an homage to 80s films where, you know, there was a lot of hand-operated things, the never-ending story with all puppets. You know, there was some CGI, but it was mostly just, you know, puppets. And um, I'm really excited about that aesthetic and the fact that um, the human hand is guiding and animating things in the film. So, and I'm so grateful and excited that Jim Henson Studios making our puppets for us because obviously I grew up on those as well. So, um, so yeah, so we definitely are both um, drawing on story and the values and the images, the sort of iconic images of 80s fantasy films, the puppetry in them. Um, but we also want to update them. You know, it, it is 2020. <laughs> we have moved forward. And there were some things about 80s films that my husband and I looked at, and we were like, you know, these are not very diverse worlds. Um, the roles for women um, typically were a lot smaller. And so we want to also give it a contemporary twist and celebrate the awesomeness of that time, but um, also through a contemporary lens that updates the things that we wanted to update. Jim Henson's Creature Shop. That, that is just right. fantastic. And you're right. I know. The puppetry that uh, comes out of that shop is just phenomenal. That just sounds wonderful. It makes my heart race. I'm so excited that they're doing it. Well, it makes my heart race, too, if that means anything, because uh, as a viewer, I'm already looking forward to seeing the results. And I just want to say I find it refreshing to have a production where you're not going to have CGI. That you're going to have old school puppetry, but like you said, updated, of course. But I yeah. just think that's very refreshing, Tammy. So I wanted to be sure to mention that to you. Cool. I'm glad. I mean, we hope that people will 
kind of, you know, enjoy that and celebrate the nostalgia of it, you know, and um, I think that there's something about the, you know, the the human hand and the human spirit and the human movement that just bring a kind of heart to things that, um, that I'm hoping will, you know, um, kind of make it a, a visually uh, exciting experience. Absolutely. Now, Tammy, I'm kind of wondering about something here. And mm. that is the opportunity, if you and husband feel appropriate to do so, of providing some Easter eggs in the film. <laughs> As a we, link to the never-ending story. There are definitely some Easter eggs in there. <laughs> this right. is going to be fun. This is just a fun um, film, and it's kind of embracing all of the fans of 80s fantasy. We do have a lot of Easter eggs and winks to other films. Um, We're also really interested in creating our own world and our own aesthetics, so it has its own gravitas to it, but it's not precious. We definitely are celebrating and um, reaching out to other 80s fans and kids who grew up with us in the 80s and kind of um, embracing our shared culture and this sort of movie language that we all loved. So we make a lot of references. Tammy, when you meet fans from the never-ending story and of your character, do you receive feedback, like when you think back over the years, where there just seems to be a lot of people missing the style of filmmaking that the 80s once provided? Yeah, I do, actually. Um, And I think that was, you know, partly what motivated us um, to try to make this project in this way. Um, I mean, you know, I do think The NeverEnding Story was a very special story and that um, the author, Michael Ende, wrote this really incredible book. uh, And what I what people have said to me, which is so moving, is that after watching The NeverEnding Story, they decided to take bigger risks than they would have otherwise. They decided to do what they dreamed. They decided to not just dream about something, but bring it into action, take steps to move something from an idea in their head into the world and make it real. And I think, um, I think, you know, that's, so exciting, and I think sometimes we really forget the power of story to almost be like a rehearsal for life. And in life, if you want to get fit, you go to the gym and you lift the bell bar up and down, you know. But our emotions <laughs> also need exercise, and I think you know, oftentimes in 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 good literature, in good films, in good stories, we we're sort of practicing being brave. We're practicing taking. Uh, taking the moral choice or taking the risk, you know, um, doing it, doing the hard thing because it's the right thing. <laughs> and, <laughs> yes. you know, in life there's so many opportunities to not do that, you know, and I think that we need, we need stories to inspire us to kind of reach for our, for our best selves and to reach for the goals that we really have because we have one life and it's over and you don't want to have regrets. And so I think stories are there to, exercise our emotions to make us a little bit braver and the best movies do that for me and that's what I hear people say about the never ending story so I just feel so grateful to have been part of something that has helped motivate other people 
to uh, have a more fulfilling experience, to reach for something that was scary, you know? Well, your contribution to the film is obviously enduring and, and very special, so very well done, and and I just enjoyed your response to that so much. I agree, the film has elements of hope, and like you described, not giving up and going for what you dream about, even against incredible odds. So thank you for sharing that perspective. I appreciate it. And the cast for the new production that you're working on. I've read about some very interesting names, but I find, <laughs> yeah. it, I find it also so much fun that there is a talking dog in this film. I know, I know. <laughs> well, we we needed to, we needed a best friend for the main character, and uh, you know the the sidekick is always the best the best part <laughs> in any in any story. Part, yes. Yeah, it's always like the you know the really dynamic part. So, um, but my husband is an incredibly talented uh, storyteller, and really, uh, it it was just so fun uh, watching him develop this world and um and then when he uh decided to create um the best friend as a dog as a talking dog um you know it was really just i i just said it almost didn't even think it would happen i'm like it has to be sean Aston. i mean there isn't anybody <laughs> in the world that that is a better best friend every movie he's in you're like i just want to be his friend <laughs> like, yes. you know you just so um and so we're just so excited that he uh, is going to be uh, the narrator for the story, and it's going to be his voice that holds, you know, bookends the whole thing and, and kind of moves us along through the eyes of a dog. And I also love the, the idea that um, you're, you're watching this world and you're learning about these people through this incredibly optimistic and utterly loyal dog. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent choice. I like the way you, you, you approach that uh, character. Well done. He's an excellent choice. Yeah, yeah, we're super thrilled to have him. Well, Tammy, I did want to ask you, uh, obviously, it, you can't really look into a crystal ball and guess how things are going to go with the pandemic situation and how it is infecting the industry as well. But I know yeah. that there are efforts to, to, to get back to work one way or another. And, and there's people still working on projects, just like you and your husband. But is it hopeful? Is next year what you, what, what you both are, are just keeping your fingers crossed for to, to start production I think, you know, we're really just going to have to be um, as flexible as possible in, in the current situation. M you know, my thought is, is that even in a really difficult circumstance, the only choice you have is to look for the silver lining. And the silver lining for us here is that we, we are able to really focus on pre-production and focus on art production and do all the planning for the film as thoroughly as possible so that the minute the window opens up where we can start shooting, we're just ready to go. Um, but we definitely are following the guidelines that are being released. We're not going to do anything that isn't safe. Um, and, and then we're also a kind of lean and nimble team. And so the second there's an opening, we're going to roll that camera. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to be cheering you on. And I just want to let you know here and now, anything I can do to help get the word out about this film, you just let me know. I'll be happy to do so. Oh, thank you so much. That's so kind of you. 
Well, you are most welcome, and I am very uh, interested and looking forward to discussing some of your memories from appearing in the film The NeverEnding Story. But before I do that, Tammy, I thought I would ask you where you are from. Oh, I'm. that's um, complicated. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a simple answer. I no. see. Well, so uh, my father uh, was Scottish, and my mother was Israeli, and they met in Iran. They were both working there as archaeologists. So I spent um, my early life on dig sites in Iran, and then in 79, we uh, moved to Israel uh, briefly for about a year, and then we moved to England, and then we finally settled in the U.S., first in Tucson and then in the Bay Area. Wow. Uh, so um, <laughs> It was it. a lot to that. <laughs> <laughs> and then, as you know, a young adult, I moved to Brooklyn, partly because basically every country I'd been in and all these other places in the world that I visited and stayed in were all here. And I just really love, um, you know, the sort of, um, I just love the sort of cosmopolitan melting pot of, of Brooklyn. I love that I hear all these different languages go by and that we're all sort of here together from all over the world creating this kind of new space where everyone's welcome. Well, that sounds fantastic. And I'm very curious, Tammy, what did you like to do for fun? What activities was fun for you while you were growing up? I was a ham from the second I came out. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> sit down and let me make a show for you. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. So I was, you know, frequently enacting Swan Lake by myself for you know, singing or acting. Um, that's basically what I like to do for fun. I like to disappear into imaginary worlds, and I guess I'm still doing that. <laughs> yes, you are. Tammy, you are. You know, I have to say just right away, one of the things I'm finding just so appealing about you that I really admire is it just seems like you still have such a strong sense of imagination and enthusiasm. And I, I just really, really connect to that and admire it so much. Thank you. I, yeah, I think, you know, I think, uh, for me, um, art has always been uh, like home, you know, it's the place it doesn't have borders. You don't need a passport to it. Anyone can come, and you just go and, and you build something that, that, uh, that makes sense to you. Well, you know, Tammy, you brought back a, a wonderful memory for me, which I'll share with you briefly. I, too, used to put on shows when I was growing up, when I was discovering my interest in acting, unbeknownst yeah. to me. And uh, we had a video cassette recorder, so the, one of the very early recorders. So, you know, it was pretty big. You had the camera, and then you had the <laughs> recorder, and it was over yeah. your shoulder, and yeah. I didn't even have a stand for it, so I had to hand-hold this. Well, I came up with an idea to redo the movie. This is pretty big ambition on my part. The Private Eyes with Tim Conway and Don Knotts, because I thought it was so funny and so much fun, and I made my friends be in this movie. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. So uh, I, I'll tell you yeah. what, that's something else. <laughs> yeah. I just think the you know, everyone should just make, everyone should just make. I, it's, a, it's a really good way to um, kind of share who we are with the world. Well, Tammy, before I ask you how the audition 
opportunity or how the opportunity came about for you to be in The NeverEnding Story, I'm very curious, had you read the book beforehand? No, no, I hadn't. Um, I went to that audition because somebody saw me in an acting class. The casting director was actually friends with my acting teacher at the time, and she was going to have lunch with her. And she happened to come 10 minutes early before their lunch date and walked into class and saw me in class, and I was the right age and height, and she was casting the next day. And she said, do you want to come to this? audition and I was like sure I love auditions and <laughs> I'd been in you know school plays and a play down at the local community uh, church that we did Oliver it was so much fun I had the best time there and then uh, I was taking acting classes and musical theater classes and I was like yeah yeah I'll come to an audition and I sort of told my parents I have an audition tomorrow and they're like okay we'll drive you but no none of us really knew exactly what I was auditioning for, certainly did not understand the scale of it. And um, I remember my parents saying, well, yeah, it's probably some, you know, European release or something. It's just a German, I guess, you know. So, <laughs> so we really um, didn't know quite which rabbit, the rabbit hole that we were jumping through. <laughs> well, maybe that was in your favor, not to, like, you know, realize just uh, how big the ambition was behind it. I think it totally was. I think if I had understood what I was really <laughs> doing, I would have been much more nervous. So, you know, uh, it's, sometimes it's better to be lucky than anything else. <laughs> and Wolfgang Peterson, the director, the acclaimed director, do you have memories of what his style was like while he directed you in your scenes? Yeah, I have such fond memories of him. He was a fabulous director. Uh, he really, um, his voice, when he would set up the scene, he would come up to you and he would set the stage and he would talk to you for you know several minutes and just listening to his voice, he would just bring you into the moment that you were in. And, um, and what I loved about him, I've said this in other interviews before, it just the thing that sticks with me the most is that he just, he never treated me like a little girl. He treated me like a professional collaborator, like that I could handle whatever information he was giving me. And I just loved it. I just, you know, what the thing I hated most as a little kid is adults sort of dismissing you because you're small or somehow thinking your opinion is less, you know, valid or interesting because cause you're little. And just Wolfgang didn't have that. He really uh, approached me with this um, sense that, you know, he could speak to me as an equal. And I just think that part of the reason uh, I was just so in love with that project and so invested in it was because of that approach that he had with us. Very nice. And I'll tell you what, your performance, I, I just reviewed the film again. I don't know how many times that makes, Tammy, over the years, but <laughs> let's just put it this way. It's, it, it's a lot. And, but I haven't seen it in several years, so I would like to add that. And I just, I don't know, I just, in your performance, there's something really special about it. You know, it's one thing to have a, a girl that's young and, you know, a very attractive young girl and she does a nice job, but you brought more than that. It was almost like your performance was beyond your years, so to speak. There was just a special quality. 
And I just wanted to share that with you, that I was just so impressed with your scenes. It's like you just uh, couldn't take, you know, I couldn't take my eyes off of you. You just brought so much to the scene. Thank you so much for saying so. That's really kind. Well, you're most welcome. And do you mind me asking uh, your age? I think it's 11, but I could be wrong. I was, yes, I was 11. You're, you're correct. Yeah. Now, yeah. I hope it's okay to ask this question. But if it's not, you just tell me, okay? Sure. Um, I I just came across some information at the last minute before we talked today that you had actually lost your front teeth, like shortly (laughs) before filming. And the first thing I thought of was, oh my, uh, it's time for some props, I imagine. Oh yeah, for sure. It was actually my canines, Uh, not not my two front teeth, but the canines. Gotcha. Um, And uh, definitely through the makeup and hair people for a loop. That was not in the um, look that they were going for. <laughs> so I, it was, this is actually probably my least fond memory of the NeverEnding story because I actually do remember it with so much fondness. I, I spent about two weeks at the dentist's office with my mouth open and these sore red lines just etched into my mouth because I just had to keep my mouth open for so long while this dentist created um, what I felt was this enormous, like, denture that I had to put over my teeth. (laughs) They were enormous. (laughs) And um, after it was all finished, you know, I I was lisping because it was so different to try to speak with it in my mouth. Um, but eventually I worked my way around it and was able to not lisp. Um, but yes, it's pretty hilarious. Those are not my teeth in the film, in the first scene. In the second scene, actually, there was such a long gap between filming the first scene and the second scene that my teeth grew in enough and also I didn't need to smile. Um, so I was directed to, um, smile with my lips closed when I smiled. <laughs> so you can see that there's really very little reveal of the teeth in the second scene. <laughs> well, I'm, your performance just impresses me so much. It, it, it just really does. And I appreciate you sharing that. And uh, Well, before I ask you about co-star Noah Hathaway, uh, I wanted to ask you, well, speaking of Noah, did you both get to, you know, just spend time with the puppetry and just kind of like check it out before filming? Did you ever have any moments in between shots of just being able to go touch the puppetry? We had a great time on set. Noah and I uh, really got along very, very well. You know, the set was pretty organized. There wasn't like a lot of free time to just go and hang out with the puppets, you know? <laughs> Things were sort of very, you know... Work it had was to a, be done. Yeah, there was a very, very sort of <laughs> tightly run ship. Um, so I wouldn't say that we had a tremendous amount of time. I, I really loved watching the filming, and so uh, I was allowed to stand on the side and on days that I wasn't needed, because uh, they did a lot of test shots and, you know, had the teeth thing and then the hair and makeup. So I was there for sort of a, quite an extended period before my filming started proper while they were working out art direction and things like that. So on those, and then that window of opportunity, I did a lot of, um, watching, which was really, really fun. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I wouldn't say exciting. we had a tremendous amount of time to actually interact with the props and things. Uh, that was, that was pretty, um, sort of tightly controlled, but we had a lot of time offset, 
you know, and we, we had a, a really good time that just hanging out and we had, you know, the great, uh, great time just romping around in the German <laughs> countryside when we weren't on set. Well, Tammy, there is a scene that you're actually not in, but I would love to get your thoughts on. Uh, and that is a scene that I, you know, when I rewatched it the other day, I almost wanted to fast forward. I, I'm just going to be honest with you. I can't watch this scene without a few tears falling. I just can't help it. And that has <laughs> to do, uh, I believe it's in the Swamp of Sadness. Yeah. And, and when the horse, you know, succumbs to that sadness, I, I just have to tell you, it's just such a gut-wrenching scene for me. And I'm sure yeah. for others, but I just wanted to know what your thoughts were when you recall actually seeing that scene for the first time. Did that catch you off guard? Yes. I mean, luckily, you know, I feel like there were all these rumors swirling about the fact that the horse actually died in that scene. And I'm so happy that I had the perspective of knowing that that horse was very well cared for, that there was a really long process where they trained it, they would put him in the mud, there's a little elevator under his feet, and he would go to his ankles, and then he'd come out and get lots of carrots, and then the next day it was to his knees, and then he'd get lots of carrots, and he was, um, it took very uh, weeks and weeks of getting the horse comfortable with that and, and mm. also familiar with the routine that as soon as he's done, the elevator comes up and he gets a reward. So the horse <laughs> kind of, I was watching the scene knowing that that whole process was in place and, that ever, and then the horse was, you know, happy and running around after the shoot. So I think it, you know, definitely made me sad, but I think I also... Um, had a little bit of the behind the scenes, everything was going to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it seemed like such a sweet horse. Oh, yeah. Amazing horse. Amazing horse. Absolutely. Oh. Well, I'll tell you what. I, isn't it amazing as an adult that I, I, that scene just, I, I can't help it. It just literally brings tears to my eyes. And, um, you know, just just one of those scenes I just had to ask you about. So thank you so much. Well, before I ask you about Noah, on a lighter note, Tammy, I just thought of, I just burst out laughing because it'd been a while since I thought of that scene with with the giant turtle. Yeah. And 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 when you when when they hear <laughs> the boy say something and the turtle moves his head slowly, you hear something and it's like yeah. I just that, that is so funny isn't it I know I I think that's the, <laughs> the really nice part of the never ending story is that you know the sort of meta level there's like a story within a story and then of course the audience is watching the story so it's like <laughs> three layers of story <laughs> it's like this story cake <laughs> and that turtle was quite the downer with responses like well not that it matters <laughs> he always had a disclaimer with his answers I, I really enjoyed that well let's talk about your co-star Noah any uh -huh. memories of when you first met him and also working with uh, him yeah uh, well I remember my other great love in life is dance and um, actually I don't know if people know this but Noah was a phenomenal dancer and um, so I remember when I first met him, we had like a, like a pirouette contest. <laughs> and I was so impressed that as a boy, he could do so many pirouettes. 
So <laughs> that's my wow. first impression of him. Wow. Now, had uh, you know, did several years go by before you uh, spoke with him again or saw him again? Oh, much more than several. Uh, I mean, after the Neverending Story, we lost touch. And it was only recently that uh, I ended up um, meeting him again at some Comic-Cons. And um, I'd done a few of them on my own. And then um, it was great. He ended up being at one of them. And um, it's really fun. It actually, uh, I think, you know, we'll probably continue to do those together because he, it's, it's fun. It, it's a way to meet people who love the film and to share memories with them. But then also I get to see Noah. And, you know, it's, um, it's pretty funny. I mean, a lot of years have gone by, but I still see the little, you know, a tray in there. <laughs> and, uh, and it's really lo- lovely for us to have a chance to catch up. I'm very curious. Did you ever have any interaction on the set with the other young boy in the film, Barrett Oliver? On the set? Well, sure. I mean, uh, Barrett and I had the, the second scene, um, and he, we all um, stayed together in the same hotel. And uh, Barrett was lovely. He was um, kind of a little bit less physical than Noah. Noah was like a running around and dancing kind of guy, and Barrett was much more um, sort of indoors, and he had a lot of little action figurines that he liked to play with. Um, but I, I just, I really uh, felt very fortunate. They were both uh, very lovely boys, and that's a weird age. Like, sometimes girls and boys don't really get along at 11. Like, it's like, you know, you're a girl, you, and you're a boy, you. Or, um, but we didn't have any of that. You know, we all had That's a good, good. time. And um, I used to, I knew, I, <laughs> I would, like, knock on Barrett's door, and he'd be like, you know, well, are you kind of here to play? And I'd be like, well, no, I just thought we should go over our lines. And he's like, oh, you want to go over lines again? <laughs> but he would accommodate me. <laughs> Well, I really appreciate you sharing that. I was very curious about that. And, you know, I would love to ask you about the reaction you had when the film was released. Um, So let's fast forward to when the film is finally released. It's in theaters. You know, there's the premiere and you finally get to see the finished product. Uh, Do you recall your thoughts in general after seeing the entire film on the big screen? I mean, I was uh, really excited. I couldn't believe all of the things that I didn't know about the film, all of the, you know, elements, the music. So uh, for me, it was, I think, just a real education in uh, kind of understanding the components that go into building something. So I, I, I was really excited about how it all came together and, um, and also just it really started my brain thinking about storytelling structure and how to organize components and, uh, you know, how things work behind the scenes and then how they show up on the scenes. And I think that just brings me here. You know, this is the, being the, one of the executive producers for Man and Witch. I'm having to uh, look at and consider and help uh, guide a lot of art direction and decisions. And I think having that early exposure um, really inspired me and um, makes me want to and enjoy the challenges and, and the sort of intricacies of, of building, building the world in addition to acting in it. Well, Tammy, I have to ask you, obviously, 
I mean, obviously, you no doubt thought that, wow, these sets are cool. This is going to be a very uh, fun movie and so on and so forth. But I'm just wondering, if you think back, even at that age, did you have any hint whatsoever that this could potentially be something extra special in the long run? No, absolutely not. Honestly, I, I just am just amazed that, you know, I'm in my kitchen in Brooklyn still talking about the never-ending story. It has had its own life and its own connection with fans and resonances that I don't think any of us could have imagined. So, uh, you know, we're just, I think the story itself is uh, what, what has really touched everyone. And so, no, I mean, I absolutely had no idea. And I'm so grateful that I just, you know, stumbled into this thing that keeps being meaningful to people. Well, Tammy, I just have to say, I'm so happy for you that you got to experience something in your childhood that just remains with you today. And I'm sure it warms your heart. And I just have to say, I'm so happy for you. I thought we would conclude with a question that kind of have a, has a twist to it. I, sure. I hope you will find this a unique question. If a young person came up to you and said, Tammy, I've heard about the never-ending story. I'd like to see it. I know you're in it, but I actually know nothing about it. Could you please at least give me a, a brief description? How would you respond to that? Sure. All right. A brief description of the never-ending story. Or it could be a long description. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the never-ending story is about the importance of not losing the imagination. And it's a fantasy film, but obviously, uh, you know, something that sustains us and keeps us going uh, in life is our ability to dream of a better future. And I think... Um, you know, what makes the film so deep is that really all our solutions, every solution to global warming, to the pandemic, to anything you can think of is really going to come down to our ability to imagine our way out of it. So The NeverEnding Story takes that super hopeful message and packages it in this action, adventure, fantasy-filled, you know, puppet-driven, gorgeous world and uh, reminds us reminds us of, you know, all the, the magic that, that we have inside of us. That was beautiful perspective. Thank you, Tammy. And I have to say that you have put a permanent smile on my face for the rest of the day. It was just such a pleasure to speak with you today. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. And um, if anybody's interested in Man and Witch, they should uh, just go to manandwitch.com. We'd really, really appreciate the support fans have been giving us. It means so much to us. We're hoping that people would have the same interest and nostalgia in these sort of 80s classics, and we're uh, just thrilled to know that people are, are, are like us, wanting a little bit of that. And so, um, yeah, we really welcome Welcome sharing sharing our process as we build the film with people. Thank you, team.
Hollywood and Beyond podcast, created, produced, and hosted by actor and writer Stephen Brittingham. Thank you for listening.